This is the JT The Brick Show. Filling in for JT today is ESPN's Jason Fitz and from Raiders.com, Eddie Pascal. We are getting you ready for summer fun in the only way we know how, by getting everybody riled up. Uh, we're, we're breaking down the tiers of the AFC. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. We're in for JT The Brick, 702-365-9200. That's how you can hang out with the 702-365-9200. Benefit of the doubt is a strange thing because fans never universally apply it. What I, I, I keep thinking back to what we saw last year and how many times the Bengals had to answer very specific questions about the fact that those teams had never done what they were trying to do and kept wondering, why does Joe Burrow care about that? Why does Zach Taylor, the coach, care about that? Why does anybody involved with the Bengals organization care about the past? And even when you start talking about what the Raiders accomplished last year, going into the last week of the season, the number of times I found myself with my peers when people were saying, yeah, but Derek Carr's never made it to the playoffs and started a game, kept saying, who cares? Like, what does that genuinely have to do with the team right now? But what we all do as we get into the offseason is we start to pick and choose where we want to apply benefit of the doubt. We'll say, hey, look at this. The Chargers never do this, and we do this. Like, it's, it's such an interesting thing because I think the only true way that you can apply any benefit of the doubt, Eddie, is if you give universally across the board every team the same benefit of the doubt about every one of their offseason transactions. And if you're forced to look at every team through the same rose-colored half-full glasses, boy, it suddenly gets much more difficult to put everybody into tears. We, we really do like to just pick and choose the, uh, the information we like to uh, grab a hold of, don't we? Where it's like, oh, well, the Raiders did these seven moves and they're going to be fantastic. And they are, because those seven moves are fantastic. But then you look at the Chargers, the Chiefs, the Broncos, whoever it is, the, the Bills, and you're like, wow, well, no, 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 those, uh, those moves aren't going to pan out. But it is fun. It's, it's the nature of being a fan, though, right, Fitz? Like, that's the beauty of this is like, hey, I'm going to pick and choose what I want to be about. I'm going to pick and choose the moves that I like. And, yes, my team, at the end of the day, is better than your team. I think also what we do is we wait till the numbers come out. Like when Bradbury was cut by the Giants because they couldn't find a trade partner, everybody was infatuated, myself included, with the concept of adding another corner. It seems like for the Raiders, corner could be a position of need. So adding a corner made sense. I expected him to sign a contract after June 1st. I thought maybe the Raiders were in that, that running. A lot of Raiders fans were tweeting about it, for example. Then he signs a contract with the Eagles. And then that contract is much lower than most of us expected on the open market, which means he signed an incentive-laden contract to join the Eagles, which pretty much means there's, it's, that's at least a good indication that they didn't feel like the Raiders were going to be players in any conversation about him coming here. And then all of a sudden, it's, ah, he's a bum. We didn't want him anyway. Like, <laughs> it is amazing how our conversation changes about players through and through. And, and I only say that because J.C. Jackson is such an important part of the AFC West this year. That is one of the most difficult things about the, the entire concept of paying players is you have to understand that you may decide where the worth caps out and somebody else in your neighborhood might decide they were willing to pay a little bit more for that upgrade. And now every time you drive by the house, you got to look at that upgraded front porch and think, damn, should we have? Should we have gone in and upgraded the front? Their front porch is nicer than ours. J.C. Jackson is a difference maker on two teams where it could be razor thin in the difference between those two teams. As someone who is currently redoing a bathroom, that oh hits God. that hits home in a pretty uh, – it hits too close to home, Fitz. 
it's too close to home because look, you really do, whether it's a financial decision as a normal human being like you and I about how much money you want to invest in a bathroom, whether you're Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels and you want to figure out how much you are willing to invest in a <laughs> cornerback, whatever it is, you just have to be comfortable with the number and you have to be comfortable with your decision. And I think at the end of the, the day too, Fitz, a lot of it is just being comfortable to say, no, thank you. It's okay. It is 100% okay to say, you know what? That's going to be a pass for now, whether it's on that extra fancy tile that my wife wants or a cornerback that maybe wants a little bit money, more money than you are comfortable spending. It is 100% okay to say, hey, I would have loved if this worked out, but it's just not going to happen right now. But it's human nature. Eddie Pascal, 100%. Jason in for JT the Brick. I, you know, there are very few things in the world my, you know, I'm made fun of frequently on ESPN for being very cheap. I like to think of it as frugal, but frugal, I didn't grow yes. up with much, right? So, like, when you don't grow up with much, you you, you got to be aware of these things, Eddie. So, you know, I, I've been lucky to have a little bit of success in life, and there's one thing that I am kind of bougie about, and that is speakers, which shouldn't surprise anybody given my music background. So the one thing that I'm bougie about is speakers and specifically Sonos. Like, I'm infatuated with Sonos systems. I always have them, I always want them, and I always want more of them. I know this. So the other night... I'm out there, and I realized that because, again, I'm cheap, I realized that if I buy the previous generation of a particular model of Sonos, I can actually integrate it with the new generation as long as I follow a few sets, certain steps, right? So that sends me to eBay. And I'm out on eBay, and I'm looking, and, and I, I did the right thing. I, I put a very set amount. Like, I will not spend more than this much money on these. And, and you're talking to somebody that looks for sneakers for 35 bucks on Amazon, right? So I know I'm cheap, but I go out there, and I, I set my, my limit. And then I get that notification, the bing, from eBay. And it's like, you have been outbid. And it's always like a minute and a half before the bid ends. And then I'm looking at it, and I'm sweating, and my hands are sweating, and my, my thumbs are shaking. And I'm like, do I go an extra $10? And I did. And I got, like, I did. I did it, and I got the thing. What a rush! I felt, I got, but I felt guilty afterwards. Like I said, a limit. So the next day, you know, I'd had maybe one too many beverages, and I'm sitting there, and I'm doing it again. I'm like, well, maybe I can get lucky, get lucky twice here. That time I had to let it go. I let it go, and it eat me alive for like a day and a half, just sitting there saying, man, because you see what it finally goes for. You can go and look, and I'm like, $7 more. Could have had it. Still half price of what it would cost me to get it anywhere else. What did I do? Like, I only say that because those are real-world examples for anybody that's ever been to an auction, for anyone that's ever bought anything, for anyone that's ever had a budget. And then sometimes when you have to be faced with the fact that some people allocated differently, that's going to raise questions. Like, J.C. Jackson is going to be, I think, one of the most important people in the AFC West this year, not just because he signed with the Chargers, but because we all know other teams in the West were interested in him, including the Raiders, according to multiple reports, and he ended up signing with the Chargers. So everybody's going to be reminded constantly what they did or didn't spend. And it's okay as long as it works out. You know, that's, this is one area where you and I are going to differ, Fitz, because when I, when I set a limit for anything, whether, you know, most recently it's been a house, whether it's a pair of shoes, whether it's, hey, daddy needs some new slacks out at the mall, slacks. Oh. I, I have my number and I will not go over it. I will not go over it by a dollar. I will not go over it by a cent. That's the number. And if there's nothing there, there's nothing there. And I live to fight another day. So I, I could see, like, I could understand where you are. It eats you up, it eats you up. But for me, it's like, no. I, I, knew where, I knew where I wanted to be, and there was nothing there. We move on. You are, you are a man of self Have you ever been to, a, like, a real old-school auction where you have to, like, hold a piece of paper up, Eddie? Uh, I have with my dad. My dad went to, uh, gosh, one or two. And I remember being in middle school. 
and uh, and he actually funny you'd appreciate it. he he I don't know why my dad my dad was a you know certainly had a musical kind of uh, uh, persuasion he was in a band when he was growing up and I think he was trying to you know relive some of those glory days but um, he randomly came home with um, one of those like old school uh, like it's not an electric piano like that's not the word but it's it's a you know a big kind of clunky keyboard thing and it had all these like little settings on it and it was super old but I remember he came home with one of those and my mom was like. What is this? But I have a vivid memory of going to the auction and doing that. Yeah, no, 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 24, 24, 25, find it, you know. But yeah, they're fun, man. See, and where they get you, especially when you're a little kid, is with the desserts. Because, like, if mm. you're on the East Coast, like, they've always got, like, cake and pie and stuff like that. So, like, you're sitting there and you're just, like, eating something and, like, you're in the moment. You've got a little bit of, like, cream cheese icing from this, like, grandma made this cake. And all of a sudden, bam, you're out there. You're spending, you're spending, you're like, oh over the budget for some, you know, stamp that I'm never going to remember why I bought it. But, it, it, you know, it's a cake that got me. Like, y- you are a better example of how GMs have to act. I am a poor example, which is why I should never own an NFL team because I'd be the guy that comes in and says, I agree with what your value is until I suddenly say, but I really want it, and then I'm just going to overspend on it. That's unfortunately what you can't do. I mean, the Chargers spent, I think it was $210 million this offseason. Think about that number. They spent over $200 million saying for a team that was one drive away from at least having a shot at the playoffs they spent 200 million dollars to make themselves better they needed to but that's that at some point that's part of why I view them in a tier maybe slightly above where the Raiders are and and look it kind of just all goes to show you I think the past gosh two three NFL seasons have been the perfect example of this fits where there's not one way to build an NFL team or excuse me I should say there's not one way to build a successful NFL team. You can do it in a variety of different ways. You can, I think long, I wouldn't say long gone, but I think gone are the days where you have to be so committed to building through the draft and kind of supplementing those needs in free agency. Like there's teams that are going to do that. I think that there's a lot of really good teams that are going to stick to those principles, but there's also teams that are going to say, you know what? We want those proven commodities. So I think that having this conversation five years ago, you're like, oh my, you know, the, the Chargers are spending all this money. Oh my gosh, you know, it's going to come back to bite them at some point. Uh, but recent history suggests maybe it won't. Now, is there a chance that it does? 100%. There's always a chance of that. But it just goes to show you there's different ways of building a team, and, and perhaps that the the road to the Lombardi is not just a, as straightforward as we once thought it was. I'm going to give everybody a little, you know, at least my mind, a, a little secret here. Okay, Eddie Pascal, Jason Fitz, in for JT the Brick. Uh, Eddie, you know how much I love the draft, right? We hung out in Vegas a little bit, and you know how much it means to me. One of my favorite events every year is the NFL draft. Uh, Again, this year we set records on uh, night one with the amount of people that watch digitally. I'm incredibly thankful for it. I love the draft. You got the ink to prove it. Yeah, that's true. Max Crosby and I got tattoos. I got the draft logo. Looks delightful, by the way. Uh, Great job by Hart and Huntington. Um, So I say all that because one thing that was repeated over and over and over again this year in the draft is more teams than ever had multiple first-round draft picks. I don't know if you remember seeing that during the draft, but it was constantly reported more teams than ever had multiple first-round draft picks. This was the other side of it that was not talked about. More teams than ever didn't have a first-round pick at all. Eight teams, a full quarter of the league, didn't make a first-round draft pick. That was historic. It had never happened before, which is part of why the second round felt so alive for so many viewers Mm -hmm. because it was the first time their favorite team was on the board. 
I say that because it speaks to what you're talking about. Like there is a at least a concept about urgency that says, hey, we saw two teams make the Super Bowl last year that did it in very different ways. The Rams went out and said, I don't care about the draft for the next five years. I care about winning Super Bowls right now. The Bengals went out and said, we don't really care about our offensive line. We don't care about anything that you think we should care about. We're going to get the fastest, most dynamic skill position, young guys, and we're just going to roll the dice. And it worked, right? So two teams showed you a path to get to the Super Bowl. The thing is, one of those teams, the Bengals, relied on drafting a what looks to be a transcendent quarterback with what looks to be a transcendent wide receiver. That's hard to do. The other team said, I can spend money. That's easy for owners to do. So I think when you look at it, part of what you saw from that Super Bowl was the Rams going all in was a reminder to every other team that maybe NBA culture is seeping into the NFL and roster construction is going to be done on these three-year massive contracts where everybody's getting punted constantly. There's more roster turnover. It's veterans that are coming in, and you're trying to get the right ingredients in your soup for year-to-year contention. You know, we were talking about Fitz, the team owner. I feel like you would lean more into that Rams model of attacking a roster Fitz. We were like, give me all the shiny toys. Give them to me right now. Give me the best guys that we got on the board right now. Because I'll, I'll deal with next year. I'll deal with it next year. First thing I do on Madden every year. Like yeah. I, I just, I'll trade, I'll trade my entire lot, whatever draft picks you want me to trade so I can get whoever I need to get to address my weaknesses. I'm doing that all day, every day. I've been doing that for years, but that's not supposed to be the way things are run long-term. I also think though, that's what, you know, if you're the Raiders, you looked at it this year and said, okay, if we can get Devonte in the first round, that's going to make everybody as great as JC Jackson is. Devonte is your, that's your big answer on the teeter totter of why these teams should be considered where they're considered. I don't think that there's a more significant offseason addition for any team in the NFL than Devontae Adams to the Raiders. I, yeah. I believe that to my core, not just as a fan, but as somebody that believes this team needs to come in and continue to grow roots in Las Vegas. They need to continue to win games. They need to continue to have celebrity status. They need to continue to be a great marketing tool. They, all of these things are part of why I think Devontae is so substantial. So if you're the Raiders, you kind of did the smart thing. You went out. And you said, okay, I'll take the proven entity that makes us better for the next three years. And then I'm going to have the most boring draft ever by just taking a bunch of interior offensive and defensive linemen, a running back, and we'll just see where that goes. Two running backs. Yeah, two run exactly. And then it gives you a little bit more flexibility. It didn't do anything sexy. Nobody can yell about it one way or the other, but your team got better. And I think that's part of why I see the Raiders in that second tier. I don't. And I don't mean second tier in a bad way. I mean second tier in a maybe it's not a $400 bottle of tequila, but it is also not Cuervo. It is it is in that level of no offense to Cuervo, but it, it is in that level of still 100% pure tequila that costs too much. Yeah, and, and I think really, Fitz, that's kind of the, the genius of what Dave and Josh did, where you look at this team, and we talked about looking back to 2021. If you look at the 2021 Raiders, you know, it's a team that went to the playoffs. It was perhaps the wildest up and down roller coaster, twisty, windy road to get to the playoffs that we have ever seen. But at the end of the day, they got to the playoffs. But if you look at that team as a whole and you say, where, what do they need to be better to, you know, win a playoff game, to continue that march into January and February? The answer, we all knew it for, you know, a variety of reasons was they need a stud wide receiver. That is what they need. That is what this group needs to take them to the next level. So what does Dave, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels do? They get the best one in the NFL. So yeah, you don't have a first-round pick. Yeah, you don't have a second-round pick. You have a, quote, boring draft, which is okay. But you figured out a way to address your biggest need in the best, 
most explosive way. Oh, and by the way, it doesn't hurt that this incredibly stud wide receiver has a fantastic longstanding relationship with your franchise quarterback. So the, having that kind of aspect of it too, they played it perfectly. They really did. Uh, I'm excited to see what the, the draft looks like for this group in 2023, as crazy as that sounds, just to get a little bit, uh, to learn a little bit more about the Ziggler McDaniels tandem and how they want to attack things. But at the end of the day, the Raiders got better over the course of that weekend, over draft weekend. It doesn't matter how they did it. It doesn't matter if it was draft picks or free agents or this or that. They got better. And isn't that the goal, Fitz, to get better over the course of the draft, regardless of what the recipe looks like? Especially when you start thinking about the rest of the AFC. Because it is truly an arms race at this point to keep up with it. And I mentioned earlier, I would put the Ravens in the second tier if they're healthy. Because, again, you go 8-9 and nine when you've lost more games, uh, more game, more starters lost more games than any other team in NFL history for this Ravens team this year. And they still win eight games. Like, that to me is impressive. I think the Ravens are always sort of in that conversation. So I, I like the Ravens. I like the Bengals. Uh, I, I think the Chargers belong in that tier, as I've said. I think the Raiders are in that tier, as I've said. I think the Titans are clinging on to dear life, trying to remain in that tier. I don't feel great about it. I've said the same about the Colts, the Chiefs. So you've got – it's pretty easy if you're walking in, again, to use the liquor analogy, and you're saying, I want an old-fashioned. Well, what kind of bourbon do you want? There are six or seven interchangeable bourbons here which is scary, scary as hell, and also inspiring all at once. It's inspiring because that's where you want to be. You want your team to be price proximity. You want to be right in the conversation for greatness, right? It's scary because there are going to be high-level, very good football teams that don't make the playoffs this year that then go into complete franchise rebuild mode simply because they were taking on a stacked AFC in a bad year to only be really good in the AFC. Well, I mean, this is something that we've joked about internally. Like, there's a valid argument you could make that pick a team in the AFC West. We'll use the Broncos as an example. But there's a, there's a very real possibility that the Broncos could lose all of their division games and objectively be a good football team. That is wild to think about, Fitz. That, that, that's how good this division is, that you could have a team that is, hey, they, they don't secure a win in the division, but they're still objectively good. Like, that, that is a trip. Well, there are some teams that we have not mentioned, namely the Steelers, the Patriots, some big brands. I'm going to tell you coming up why I don't think they're a threat at all in the AFC, either of those teams, and why ESPN and all of my coworkers need to stop talking about them. I'll tell you about that next. Plus, you guys can chime in 702-365-9200. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. We are hanging out for JT the Brick on Raider Nation Radio. This is the JT the Brick Show. Filling in for JT today is ESPN's Jason Fitz and Raiders.com Eddie Pascal. Eddie! We're back! Ooh, right on cue. It's like you were in a band or something, Fitz. That was nice. You know? Here's a question, Eddie. Uh, do, does anybody ever scream, Eddie, I want half Eddie? It's an Eddie Murphy thing. I you know, know you know who does it all the time, actually, is uh, his friend of the program, Paul Gutierrez. Paul G. Paul G does Look it all the time. You know, Paul and I have never hung out, and we, we've uh, corresponded back and forth, and uh, sure. we've talked to each other, but I think we'd be besties. I feel like Paul and I would—I mean, not the, to the level that you and I are, but, sure, you know, sure. a, a Good close save. second. Like, 
He'd, he'd be, you know, he'd, he'd be my A1 side piece though, next to Eddie Pascal. Paul G and I have a, a deep kindred connection because he lives in my, my hometown. So he is also a Petaluma legend. I had no idea. Uh, also, yeah. uh, every time I tweet about UNLV and my fandom of UNLV growing up, Paul has always got like the perfect picture, which to me is like, how do you constantly have all these great pictures of Stacey Ogman and Larry Johnson? Incredible uh, archives. Way, I mean, Stacy, call me sometime. Like, stay. I would, I would dump you in a heartbeat for Stacy Ogman. Really, that for seems anything. fair. Just so we're, we're fair. Eddie Pascal, uh, Jason Fitz, we're hanging out with you. We're still looking for a dynamic duo name uh, as as we try and figure out for our global domination purposes what we can call our dynamic duo. Uh, really, anything. Somebody said the nice guys, which I think is you know kind of on, on on par because we are pretty nice. But yeah. also patch and sword. And does that make you patch? Because like patch Pascal sends. Kind of good. Like I could, I could sword? go by patch. I could go by patch. That seems all right. Huh. I don't Listen, like I said, we're still. This is all. We're in the early, early stages of, of workshop and all this. Rome is not built in the day. The greatness does not come in over the course of two hours. Fits. So we yeah. we have time to let these marinate, to let these digest. Can I can I hit one quick UNLV tidbit before oh, we yes, move please. on? Please do. So I was uh I was going. I was just looking at some NBA draft stuff the other day because the lottery was the other night, and thankfully my beloved Golden State Warriors have nothing to do with that. But I was kind of going through the list of number one picks, and I mm-hmm. forgot. In fact, it was I want to say it was news to me, if I'm being quite candid, that Anthony Bennett, who unfortunately did not pan out as the number one overall pick, I did not realize he was a UNLV legend. Yeah, and there was a moment of like, how the heck did we have the number one pick in the draft and it didn't even make the team that good? Like that, and that was that, my that was my next thought is like who what was was he like a big deal at UNLV? I mean, he must have been, right? No, I I honestly like as somebody that watches more UNLV than is healthy during the the season, like I I found myself when everybody was like, yeah, he's gonna be the number one overall pick. I was like, is there another? Like, am I missing the wrong guy? Like, what, 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 number one? Like, I think that was one of those years, much like this year will be in the NBA draft, where there's just history could look back on this year's NBA draft and say, well, it was the best of a weird lot. Like, I don't know if any of these players are going to pan out in the NBA draft, but man, it does not feel like this is not one of those years where you're like, ooh, Zion or Ja. Like, that's not, that's not where we are. And congratulations to you, by the way, uh, in the, the big win over Golden, uh, uh, Golden State's big win over Memphis. I was pulling for Memphis, admittedly, so I apologize to you, uh, but uh, I, I credit to you. It, it also cost me a, a light amount in my wallet. I'm, I'm trying the dabbling thing. It's not going so well. Ah, wasn't that, that's kind of what they want to hear, right, Fitz? Is that you're, you're in the game, but it's not going so well. That's kind of the best of, of all worlds for our friends on the, uh, our friends at the, uh, the books and such. Yeah, share the misery with me at Jason Fitz. Like, if you have any tidbits or, or, or tips that can help me. The other night, I was so happy because I, as I was coming to air, I, with Spain and Fitz, by the way, you should check it out on ESPN Radio, me and Sarah Spain. Tonight, I'm flying solo, so just hang out with me some more. Uh, I was, we were about to hit air. And I looked in the app, and I was like, oh, my God, there's a parlay. I'm going to play a parlay. I was so confident that Miami would win game one because this is when we suddenly found out that Horford was out. So I felt good about that. I was absolutely confident in the two NHL games that night, right? So I felt particularly good about everything that I was throwing down. Unfortunately, in my haste and my quickness to place the bet, I, uh, I, I, I accidentally bet on the wrong team uh, oh. on one of the NHL games. I was certain that the Lightning would beat the Panthers, so certain that when it happened, I started celebrating that I won a parlay that I uh, that was put, it put me back in the body. And it turns out I did not win it, Eddie. It turns out my fast fingers failed me, failed by my 
fits his fast fingers. I'm working on chopping that on. Uh, details, just, details, details, Fitz. Yeah, That's what it comes down details. to. Like many things in life, just give it a give it a second read. Give it a uh, a deep breath and reevaluate. Make sure the numbers are where they need to be. The proper boxes have been checked. And uh, I do I do feel for you though. That's I'm sorry to no. hear that, Fitz. They took my money. Uh, speaking of things that we need to reanalyze, Eddie Pascal, Jason Fitz, and for JT the Brick, I'm going to put a couple of big brands in the NFL on that list. And it is easy to say, like I said earlier, well, they've never done it before as a reason why somebody won't accomplish something. I don't believe it, but it's easy to say. It's also easy to say they always do it as a reason why somebody will accomplish something. And I think that belittles the constant reimagination of the NFL. Every single year is different. And I look this year particularly at two teams that my brothers and sisters at ESPN are in love with, that everybody uh, trusts to go out and win football games, that I'm out on completely. One is the New England Patriots. And I'll tell you why, Eddie. Like, I know we can all talk about Bill Belichick, but there's an offensive piece to the mastermind, right? And that mastermind has not been replaced. Josh McDaniels is where he is today. And I know people will say this is Raider bias. I get it. But Josh is where he is because of his greatness offensively, right? And so I'm looking at a team that is now trusting Matt Patricia and Joe Judge to get the best out of their quarterback situation. What happened to the quarterback situation when Joe Judge was in charge of it for Daniel Jones? We didn't see great development. In fact, many would argue you saw a regression, right? Matt Patricia did not ever do anything of note that makes us say, oh, you got the best out of your quarterbacks. In Detroit, like, it seems like their answer was not to answer that question at all. I don't believe Max Jones has shown anything to make him part of the same type of conversation that great players like Joe Burrow or even Josh Allen are. No, I do not believe that at all. I believe that Mac Jones is an okay quarterback, and now you have an okay quarterback that doesn't have great coaching around him that we can trust. I'm out on the Patriots because if I can't trust your quarterback to be great, then there's nothing I can't trust. I, I think you bring up a, a, a few really solid points there, Fitz, is – there is, I think, fair to say, a lot of uh, questions surrounding the entire entire Patriots operation. I mean, not not that there aren't always, but I can't remember a lot the last time, if this ever happened, where a team just kind of you know progressed through the offseason workout program without any type of coordinators, right? Like that that to me is bizarre. And and you know because we work here in a building, and because I'm thinking, okay, how are they going to go through the week, and what are the things that they think about? You have to make your offensive coordinator, your defensive coordinator available throughout the week. Like, who's gonna who's gonna talk in New England? Like, are they just gonna rotate? Who's gonna talk? Like, uh, how is that whole uh, whole piece of it gonna work? But I think I might be a little more uh, a little more bullish on Mac Jones than you. Uh, I certainly don't think that he is the second coming of Tom Brady at this juncture. But I think you have to give him the benefit of the doubt that we talk about whether it's quarterback, uh, linebacker, wide receiver, whatever it is, we talk about that jump from year one to year two. And I think we got to give Mac the benefit of the doubt that he is going to be better as a, a second-year guy compared to what he was as a rookie. But there are a lot of questions there, Fitz. Like, they are a ton, 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 ton of questions uh, about everything that's going on in Foxborough right now. I am opposite of you when it comes to quarterback. I believe that 99% of quarterbacks fail. So the presumption huh. should be that young quarterbacks are going to fail. And then if they don't fail, 
That's a delight. That's a surprise. So I'm not banking on Justin Herbert until I have to bank on Justin Herbert. I now have to bank on Justin Herbert. He's shown enough. I'm not banking on Joe Burrow until I have to bank on Joe Burrow. I now have to bank on Joe Burrow. It, that, that's an easier logic for me because if you look at quarterbacks year by year that have, that have been drafted, we've seen some good, some bad. We have not seen a ton of truly reliable. Like I'm, I'm not banking on Justin Fields for Chicago until I have to bank on him, and that's not yet. So Mac Jones – Having an okay season is not enough for me to turn around and say, woo. Also, it should be noted, Greg Bedard of the Boston Sports Journal on a podcast uh, yesterday said that players are not happy with the offensive coaching staff. It's very early for those sorts of leaks to be coming mm-hmm. out. It's just – it feels like there's there's chaos everywhere. And, you know, the chaos and quarterback. And, you know, I'll go back to my tears earlier because if you if you think about where I've put tears, well, the Bills have a quarterback I trust and an entire roster that's really good. So it's easy to put them there. After that, like, I know what to expect. I'm not even going to say they're great. I'm just going to say I know what to expect from Joe Burrow. I know what to expect from Justin Herbert. I know what to expect from Derek Carr. I know what to expect from Patrick Mahomes, who is right, like I said, the Chiefs are right on that line for me. Tannehill and the Titans might be the exception, but they have arguably one of the two or three running backs that actually makes a difference, and their team is built so differently, I can sort of forgive it. If you don't have a quarterback I can trust, hard for me, like I said, I'm I'm willing to put the, the Ravens, because we've seen MVP from Lamar Jackson. It's hard for me to put a quarterback I can't trust into a great situation, which is why I'm also 100% out on the Steelers. And I know Mike Tomlin never loses, game, like never has a losing season. Cool. But 9-7-1 and one, like they went last year is not going to get you into the playoffs this year. And I, they don't have an answer at quarterback. Kenny Pickett, to me, was a reach in the first round of the draft. Mitch Trubisky is not going to be the answer, especially now that he's looking over his shoulder. I think there's chaos at the quarterback position. They haven't had a good quarterback in a couple of years. But I think the Steelers take a step back. So I'm out on Pittsburgh. Yeah, and I agree with you on that one. I think there's a big difference between the Steelers' situation of quarterback, big question mark, as opposed to the, the excuse me, the, the Patriots, where you're like, okay, they have a guy there that maybe hasn't shown us as much as we need to see, but there's not a question about who's going to be that starting quarterback week one, right? Like, you know that Mac Jones is going to be under center barring injury. He's going to be the guy, and he's likely going to be the guy for the entirety of 2022. But you look at the Steelers' situation— and it is just question after question after question at the most position in North, or excuse me, the most important position in North American sports. So I agree with you 100% on the Steelers. I think the Steelers will naturally kind of regress a little bit. But I will tell you this: I still do not feel great about the excuse me. I almost said Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders going to Pittsburgh on Christmas Eve to take on a team because this is something that we talked about, uh, you and I talked about, but we've also talked about a lot internally where. If you start with Trubisky, if you are the Steelers and you say, hey, Mitch is going to be the guy, but after four weeks, after five weeks, it becomes abundantly clear that he's not going to be the guy. Then you give the, uh, then you give the reins to Kenny Pickett. And Kenny Pickett, by the time the Raiders come to town, has seven, eight, nine games under his belt. So it's, it's a unique time in the calendar for the Raiders to head east to take on the Steelers. Uh, and I think that objectively, the Raiders are the better team right now. Bold letters on May 19th, but it's still not a game that you feel great about, especially uh, coming on the heels of the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. I feel like as as much as I hear everything you're saying, one thing we did see last year was a concept that East Coast doesn't matter, right? Yeah, every year's sure. different. Every year's different for this Raiders team, and they're going to use that as a narrative every year, rightfully so. Going from West to East is difficult. I look at the, the schedule game particularly, and if you look at the schedule game and you go back to, let's say, November, you, you got the Raiders taking on the Jags. I don't think they're a good football team. They have the Colts 
They have a quarterback in Matt Ryan. I think that's tricky. They, and then they have the Broncos. They have a quarterback in Russell Wilson. That could at least be difficult, but I think that's a winnable game. After that, Seahawks, no quarterback. Chargers, difficult. Rams, difficult. Patriots, no quarterback. Steelers, no quarterback. 49ers by that point, I'm not sure what their quarterback situation could look like. Looks like it's chaos. I think a lot of people have made a bunch about that December schedule being particularly difficult for the Raiders. I think by the time this whole thing flies together, because of the lack of quarterback play that I can trust in that last month, I think the last month spared the Chiefs game and the Rams game actually has a lot of opportunity for this Raiders team. Presuming Derek's healthy, they'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, yes, I, I do love I love the confidence, Fitz. I, I really do. But I just look, you know, we're starting at, excuse me, we're starting at week 13. When you go Chargers to Rams on a short week, to the Patriots, to the Steelers, you know, on, on Christmas Eve in the cold, to the Niners at home, like, there is a chance, and I think that you, you hit on some great points. I think there's a chance that the Raiders are, have a chance to win a bunch of games there. But as we sit here now on May 19th, it's hard for me to be like, oh, yeah, win, 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 win. Like, it, that is a tough portion of the schedule, man, regardless of, of what the quarterback situation looks like. Uh, I just think that is, that's what we're really going to learn a lot about your 2022 Las Vegas Raiders is that stretch from, call it, week 13 to 16, ending with the Steelers. I don't think this year. Any team that gets subpar quarterback play. I'm not talking, like I, I said earlier, you can win a, a Super Bowl with a great quarterback. If you have subpar quarterback play, you will not make the playoffs in the AFC this year. Agreed. Like, Agreed. Your quarterback is going to have to be very good. I think that Mac Jones can be okay. That's not going to be enough. I think Kenny Pickett is uh, going to make a delightful backup, and I hope he has a great career in the NFL. I hope he proves me wrong and gets dirty rich. I always root for players to get dirty rich. But in the meantime, I, I, my level of, of faith in Kenny Pickett, I, I don't think – if Kenny Pickett would have been a, a second or third-round pick like everybody else, that wouldn't have surprised me. I don't think he's a starting quarterback. So I, I'm, not, I'm not worried about that. No quarterback there. The 49ers become such an interesting one to me because will they be Jimmy Garoppolo's team at that point? Will they not? Like, will they have moved on at quarterback? Like, that's going to be such a weird portion. I think to your point, and it's a strong one about you want to play – an uneasy quarterback situation early in the season. I would have rather have seen the 49ers in week one when they have no mm. idea what they're – is it going to sure. be Trey Lance? Is it going to be Jimmy G? What's the controversy look like? I'm banking on that controversy lasting throughout much of the regular season, and that's why I feel you know pretty good about those matchups. You're right, though. Chargers and Rams, that spread right there, that is the one that you look at and say, man, if the Raiders deserve to be in the play – if they are truly a playoff caliber team – they got to get those are the sorts of games you got to win. I just think that's asking a ton. And isn't it nice just to kind of flip this to do the remix of this, if you will? That we talk about these teams that have these huge questions. What are they going to do at quarterback? Is this person going to be the, the next man up? Blah blah blah. Isn't it nice to not be in that position? And, and let's be clear. There's questions about the 2022 Raiders, as there should be, right? How is the offensive line going to shake out? Has the team done enough at linebacker to kind of take them to that next level defensively? What is Patrick Graham going to ask of this group? There's, there's questions, right? We have a lot of questions that we need to figure out in between now and training camp and ultimately b- before the start of week one. But you don't have those fundamental, foundational, what are they doing questions about the Raiders, which is pretty nice. I got to be honest. You mentioned Patrick Graham. When we come back, I asked Max Crosby a very specific question about what players want from their defensive coordinators. What type of system 
do they want? And his answer was telling. I think it plays into what we're going to see this season and why the Raiders will be in the tier that they're in. When we come back, I'll break all that down for you. 702-365-9200. That's how you get in on the conversation. 702-365-9200. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. We're in for JT The Brick on Raider Nation Radio. This is the JT The Brick Show. Filling in for JT today is ESPN's Jason Fitz and Raiders.com Eddie Pascal. Eddie Pascal, Jason Fitz, filling in for JT The Brick. Having a blast doing it. 702-365-9200. That's how you get in on the fun. Eddie, can we officially tell the world we'll be back tomorrow? We, we, we haven't been fired yet for tomorrow, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't think Q and Q and Doug have said anything yet. I certainly, I mean, I haven't been looking at my phone, but I'm until uh, until the the call comes in the in the headphones that we've been asked to not return, I think I think it is safe to say, Fitz, you can end the week with us here on Raider Nation Radio, nine twenty a.m. noon to two Pacific time. Look at that, Fitz and Eddie, Fitz and Pascal, Pascal and Fitz. I don't I know. Always, We're still I always like I always like Fitz and Pascal. Yeah, that that I I mean that has a ring to it. Uh, which one of us gets to wear the Batman outfit and which one gets to wear the Robin in the in the picture? Let me let me tell you something too, Eddie. Like, you know, when we do our dynamic duo pictures, we're going to yeah. think this thing out because they live forever. So all of a sudden you're looking at it 5 years later and you're like, "Really? That's the image somebody picked yeah. off the internet of us?" Yeah. Like so like we really got to think this thing out, you know? And, uh, like And I think that's kind of the, the whole thing. And that's that's the theme of today, right? We're not rushing anything because you got to put thought into this, man. This is forever. Those pictures are going to live forever. Those promos will live forever. The, yeah. So we got it. We're going to take our time. We're going to marinate on it. It's going to be fine. But we are certainly in no haste to get anything done that we will ultimately regret. By the way, Eddie and I getting along fabulously. That is still more than we can say for Nick Saban. Uh, if you have missed any of the drama happening between Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban, and all of the college football world, we'll be talking about it tonight on Spain and Fitz, which you can listen to on ESPN Radio. Uh, I'll be solo hosting for an hour, getting you ready for the NBA matchup tonight, but also uh, getting everybody caught up on the drama. I- I'm in for it. Like I'm used to NBA players yelling at each other. Now we have a bunch of grown-ass men that are supposed to represent higher learning doing the same thing. I- I- I'm in for all of it, Eddie. Oh, 100%. And you know, we were going through Twitter uh, earlier as-, as we were going through the show, and and Saban has, uh, it seems like he's kind of walked back some of the comments, which frankly, it upsets me. Own it, Nick. Become the villain. Be the bad guy. Start this blood feud with Jimbo. Keep it going because we got a long way between now and the start of the college football season, and we need something, right? We need something to, uh, to, to fester and to marinate. And, and it, I understand it's probably the right thing to do for Saban to kind of walk it back a little bit, but come on, brother, double down. That's what I'm here for. You realize how many cameras are going to be on the handshake after the oh, game, however it turns gosh. out? Oh, my gosh. That the 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 dreaded handshake post game between Jimbo and Saban is going to be its own meme. Like how they look at each other, everything they say, everything they do. That's all going to be hyper analyzed for all the world to look at as they uh, continue to look at uh, those two and how they get along. I said and, earlier. Oh, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. So, and you might know the answer to this, but you know we do make such a big deal about the handshake. Uh, is the handshake like something you have to do? Like, do your do your friends at ESPN do they mandate that moment post game? Not that I'm aware of. You know, that's also one of the things that I laugh about every time we see a college basketball game that ends without, like, with an improper handshake sure, and people sure. are suddenly yelling at each Outraged, other. Outraged. Furious. I, I, I laugh at that because I'm like, have you watched a college football game? Like, sure, they can go up and bro-hug each other if they want to, but they don't have to, right? Like, so there's a 
there's a little moment here where I, I just wonder why we hold different sports to different standards on whether or not a handshake is required throughout the course of it. Uh, uh, we're not going to get a lot of handshakes from some of the rest of the AFC that I have now collectively poo-pooed on over the course of our show. Uh, I don't know, though. I, I think you've made one, one really important point that is worth reiterating, Eddie. When you look at the AFC, and if we look at it, like I, I would tell everybody, even as fans, this will help you mentally throughout the course of the whole season. Admit today that the AFC is racked and stacked. Like, admit today that it's an incredibly different, difficult conference to win and admit today that getting through this gauntlet is going to take a level of greatness that we haven't seen from the Raiders organizationally in generations because I think this is the toughest AFC that I may have seen in my lifetime. And admitting that today makes watching it every week at least make more sense. And I think, Fitz, another thing to kind of piggyback off that is that nobody in the AFC, we and we've given, for good reason, a lot of love to the Buffalo Bills today. I think they've earned that right on, once again, May 19th. But I, I think it's important to remember that whether you're the Bills, you're the Raiders, you're the Chiefs, whoever, no one is going to escape the gauntlet of the AFC without a few scratches. It's just impossible. The conference is too good. It is too deep. I mean, we talked about the AFC West. My goodness. Like, that is the, the creme de la creme. That is going to be a battle week in and week out. No one is going to run this without a few bumps and bruises along the way. There are going to be a few hiccups along the road, whatever sports cliche we want to throw in there. But that's how good this conference is. So to your point, are the Raiders going to lose a game next year? I hate to break it to you, Fitz. I think they are. Are the Bills going to lose a couple games? I think they are as well. It, it, the conference is, like I said, too good, too deep. It is not going to be perfect, but that's okay. Yeah, it also makes it all make more sense. Like, if the Raiders go out one day and just get thumped, you and I watched it last year. We watched the Raiders get thumped by uh, the Chiefs, and we did a show afterwards, right? And we, we talked a little bit about that thumping, right? There's a, a moment for me where I – I think about that thumping, and it's like, it just makes more sense. When you know that that's happening, you're like, yeah, guess what? Everybody's really good. So every game's going to matter, and some weeks you'll get them, and some weeks you won't. Like, that's a fair and reasonable balanced conversation that sports fans don't want to have, but I think it makes for a better mindset. Speaking of mindset, I had the chance during the draft, or right before the draft, to get a tattoo with Max Crosby. And so we sat down at Hart and Huntington over in Caesars Forum, and uh, they dug into each of us for hours while we just talked about life and uh, by the way, I walked into that event a fan of Max. Um, I walked out of that event a super fan of Max. Like, just an easy human being to root for. Although he did promise me a signed jersey. I haven't gotten it yet. I have beef with Max. But aside from that, I asked him an important question that I think all fans wonder. Because we've seen defensive coordinators come in to the Raiders that run complicated defenses and then we hear oh the guys weren't able to think or they weren't able to just play just react they had to think too much then Gus Bradley comes in and runs a very simple defense according to smarter minds than you and I and they come back and say yeah but it was too predictable and everything was too right there and the guys needed more complexity so I asked Max straight up about that and I said what as a player what do you want and his answer as cliche as it might sound really hit me he said man I just want to win and there's a moment where for all of the concepts around defense, we have to remember that if it's working, nobody's questioning it. And if it's not working, everybody's questioning it. And it doesn't matter whether it's simple or complicated. It doesn't matter whether it's a 4-3 or a 3-4. It doesn't matter if you're Max Crosby and you're coming off the edge, you're playing defensive end. doesn't matter what they're asking everybody to do. What matters is, is it working? And I walked away from that with an oversimplification, but really understanding Max's point that 
everybody in that locker room will buy in to do whatever they have to do as long as it's winning football games. And we talked earlier, Fitz, in the show, we talked about there being multiple ways to build a roster, to construct a winning roster. There's multiple ways to run a successful defense, too, right? I mean, you looked at, uh, you know, you look at, at Gus Bradley, what he was able to do a year ago. It's probably going to be a lot different. It's going to look a lot different than what Patrick Graham is going to do this year. Is one better than the other? Eh, that remains to be seen. But, you know, fundamentally, philosophically, there are different ways to do it. And it's all going to come down. And we, we talk about the cliche of it all. It's all going to come down to those players, right? It's going to be putting them in the best position for them to win, but they have to win their matchups, right? So that's, that's really what this comes down to. Now, do I think that the thing that really excites me about Patrick Graham's defense uh, is that we've heard so much over the past couple of months about his ability to adjust, about his ad- ability to be multiple, about his ability to, to give you one thing on week two and then look completely different week three, to confuse an offense. So to have that kind of elevated level of, of a, uh, what's the word I'm looking here, a sophistication, to have that elevated level of you know, male- malleability, I think that to me is really, really exciting. But we talk about, you know, Max said it perfectly. It is about winning. It's a fundamental principle of this organization, just winning. Uh, And so I think however it looks, defensively, offensively, my boys on the special teams unit, that's what it comes down to, is understanding your job, doing the best that you can do at that job, beating the guy across from you, and figuring out how do we do this as a collective and build this mosaic of winning football in 2022. I do not believe that Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler, or Graham are stupid. And I think it's important to say that, as dumb and simple as that is, because to bring in somebody that would not fully utilize the talents of the players that are here from day one, and then to turn around and pay one of those players a massive contract would require a level of everybody looking around not having common sense. I don't believe that's the case. And I do, as I've said and we've talked about, believe in system. I believe that system matters, and I believe that utilizing players to their best of their abilities is important. But I have to believe that this coaching staff and this front office knew from day one exactly who the building blocks were going to be. And Max Crosby, without question, is one of those building blocks. So to me, while we can all look at it and say, what's the defense going to look like? All of it comes down to how can the defense be taught and how can the players execute it? As long as communication is allowing for that, I refuse to believe that the people that have been hired and the person that got a massive contract didn't all look at each other and understand, hey, we've got to work together for us to be at our best. It's utilizing their strengths. And I'm glad you brought up the point of of the education aspect of this, too, where that's what the team is doing right now. We are in the midst of the offseason workout program. We are, uh, gosh, maybe a little under a month away from mandatory minicamp. The team is in the building, and they are learning right now. This is the time of year where you are going to figure out, okay, what do I do on this play? How do I get better in this set? When, when the offense is showing me this, what do we do? So, yeah, we're not getting the, those flashy guys in pads making one-handed catches and all that, but I think it's more important, Fitz, to learn and understand the books at, at this point in the calendar. What I know is that Eddie and I will be back tomorrow. Yes. We appreciate you guys hanging out. He's Eddie Pascal. I'm Jason Fitz. Thank you so much for letting us sit in for JT the Brick on Raider Nation Radio. We will see you tomorrow. Burning bright, the team is meeting ready for a fight, and I'm just loving.